0: Welcome to the Fables and Reflections podcast, uh, where we, all right, Rachel. I'm glad you. Were, in, we're gonna keep this in, JD. We're gonna keep this in. Are we? Maybe because I want, I want to publicly commiserate with Rachel <laughs> and the uh, insanity of the, <laughs> of um, uh, the Infinity Pod intro and how long it took for you to get it right. I'm still and not that. I'm still at not that level.
1: Oh, just be uh, dancing all wild yeah. to your meet- This is vibing on it. It's spooky. <sighs> uh, how do I stop? Oh, there
0: we go. do, uh, anyway, but yes. Welcome to the Fables of Reflections podcast, where we reflect on any and all of the Fables of Neil
2: Gaiman. I am your co-host, Angela Bones Bullock. And I'm that other co-host, J.D. Martin. And look, Angela, here's the thing. You may have messed up that first go-around, but mm-hmm. the time you just did it before I said the thing, and you said the thing, the thing that you said, mm-hmm. you did it right. You laughed a little, but you did it right. Yes, we did. We did. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when when you
0: fuck up a little bit, it just it it, it derails everything. Uh, so you have to start over. Um, Sounds. We've like already life. mentioned one of our uh, special guests today because we have not one but two. Oh shit! There's um, another person here. There are two. Yes, there are two people here. Uh, one, as mentioned, the uh, lovely Rachel Quirky Shank hey. from. Uh, many a podcast uh, Including uh, Screen Snark Which I have guested
2: on at this point Me too And we love it over there <laughs> JD you want to uh, intro our other guest? Yes questions? and um, also from yet another Certain POV podcast uh, We From Books of the Burn we have Robin
0: Hello
3: Hello everyone
2: Yes uh, welcome both of you
0: Three queers um, and a girl <laughs> And a pizza
1: place in a graveyard book, actually.
0: <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah, let's dive into it. Uh, yes, this week we are covering. Um, Apologies, but I my...
3: genuinely ask, who's the girl? Yes.
2: Angela. Cool. All
3: right.
2: <laughs> yes. Angela's the girl. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh yeah. No. Uh, um, uh, my bad. Before we recorded, I did not. I did not ask uh, pronouns. Robin. They, them. Okay.
1: Any all. Yeah.
2: Yes. Yeah, Ra- yeah. Rachel and I recorded before, so that, so that, like that, I, I knew. Thankfully, uh, apologies, Robin. I'm glad we got that on the recording too to show that I fuck up a lot.
1: Hey, we're just hey, we, we're just we are living all human. with our being alive potential, you know. Oh yeah. Here's where it is. We grow, we change, we mess up. We're alive.
2: Yep, okay. and here's a record of it. And and, and speaking of change and growing. Uh that is that is what we're talking about today with a certain a certain book by uh Stephen King. No, I'm sorry, it's Neil Gaiman. <laughs> <laughs> of course. I'm never going to stop that um, joke. I'm never going to stop it.
0: Uh but yes, one of uh my personal favorites. Not only of Neil Gaiman's but like probably just in general. Like I don't like have many like I don't really have any favorite movies or like favorite books cuz I just like I like a lot of them. And you know, don't want to uh, necessarily play favorites cuz like you get different things from different uh pieces of media. But this one is definitely um it's one of the only two books that have have given uh, me a physical reaction reading it. The other one is actually also by Neil Gaiman with uh, Neverwhere, where there's a scene where I literally gasped like reading it just like <gasps> um this one i sobbed at the end uh and apparently JD almost sobbed at work he had to eat <laughs> had to hold it together i was listening, to, I was to, keep listening to, a,
2: to a live reading uh that neil gaiman did of the entire book and it was incredible and uh yeah that no- that man knows how to read anything anything mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. let him let that man read my grocery list and i'll be happy <laughs>
3: I uh, have read, comparatively, Little Neil Gaiman. Um, I've read Coraline a very long time ago. I read uh, The Ragwitch. I do not remember uh, what mm. happened in it. Uh, and then I've read Coraline, which we actually... I, know I already said that. But we, uh, we covered Coraline on our podcast. And mm-hmm. then I've read The Graveyard Book uh, last week for this.
2: Yeah. Yay yeah i was actually, I actually gonna ask Graveyard everyone book
1: was my first neil gaiman actually. okay yeah wow. I, I, yeah my go. gateway to gaiman mm-hmm.
2: yeah yeah i was actually gonna no, ask everyone's different. like like neil gaiman's story uh so robin already gave ours rachel so this was your this was your first uh when it came yeah. out
1: um no it was uh when i first moved to new york i made friends with uh Uh, A a comic book historian who just like loved to like share and be like oh do you know about this got me into Doctor Who got me into Neil Gaiman and was like you should read the graveyard book I think you'd really like it yeah and uh it's like yeah it's just like the jungle book except a graveyard instead and I was like okay I'm in um and so I picked that up Uh, after that I read uh some of uh
3: Sorry, I'm processing that. You're not wrong, but I'm processing
2: I know, me too. I'm just like, oh my god, it is The Jungle Book when in the graveyard. Well, no,
1: Neil Gaiman says that even, that this was inspired Mm -hmm. by Riyad Kipling's The Jungle Book. Uh, Of the things inspired by The Jungle Book, this is
3: good. This is great.
1: Aha! Yep. Some of the other things, not so much. Yeah, okay. i kind, of, yeah. yeah. kind of
0: garbage, human. <laughs> not, uh. not, not, the, uh, not the weird uh, colonialism and racism aspects <laughs> yeah, of it? Yeah, because, see, I tried Stranger <laughs> in a Strange Land. Uh, that was
3: uh, not great, uh, but, yeah. It's, when, when you take a, a premise that has colonialism and also overlap in stigma against autistic people, You have to be very, very careful with your adaptation. This one, Mm -hmm. this, yeah, this, this, as far as I know, this seems, this seems like a good one. Yeah. Uh,
2: And the title um, makes a lot more sense now.
3: Yeah. Yes, it does. (laughs)
1: I'm so glad that I brought Uh, this to everyone, this little.
2: I'm so thankful Rachel is here. I am I'm thankful everyone is here to be honest. I'm just, I'm, I'm loving this.
1: We're all going to protect the little boy together.
0: Raise
2: him upright. Yes. Uh until he becomes a a man Until he becomes uh, a fifteen year old and leaves home and it, forgets it, everyone. I'm not gonna cry in this episode, I swear.
3: Uh, okay, but like this is set in the then modern day of like the mm-hmm. like mid two thousand. Um right. mid as in mid decade, not mid century two thousand. And um uh that means that like in like a couple of years youtube's gonna exist like or possibly does <laughs> like he this is a wild time for fod to um because like cell phones are mentioned in the book if i remember correctly yeah so like yep they are yeah um it's gonna be a very interesting time for him to enter non graveyard society after the book ends.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah.
0: I think the most I think the most recent person to have died is like
2: 1920. So <laughs> this book came out in 2007, right? Uh, yes. Okay, then so. yeah, then then YouTube has been around for two years at this point. So uh, mm-hmm. oh boy,
1: YouTube is just Fred.
2: At this point
1: <laughs> Twitter came out that year I think like- oh, That Bluff. was 2009 yeah. 20- <laughs> okay, yeah, so. <laughs> I'm sorry I hung out it's with yeah, Roman uh, What's SEO? <laughs> it's me
2: Vod. <laughs> okay so Because uh, you know un- Unfortunately Robin does have to uh, Leave us uh, pretty soon We have to have kind of a hard out on this episode Which uh, you know it's yeah, so totally <laughs> fine uh so usually we do kind of like throughout the episode we like go through almost beat beat for beat the book um but in, i thought instead this time we'll just kind of just discuss our favorite things about this book and and the themes of the book because there are i have a list of my favorite things throughout this mm. book because it's just absolutely incredible but before we get into that um robin or rachel who, whoever would like to go uh would someone like to recap oh, like uh Recount the basic events of the graveyard book.
1: I, I, I'll do it. I'm ready. I'm, I'm spicy.
2: Oh, uh, all right. <laughs> we, all right. So, I think I can do it, but
0: I've
3: also only read it wrong.
0: So uh, uh, take, take yeah.
1: it. Once upon a time, a group of evil men called the Jacks decide to kill a baby and his family. They don't succeed in killing the baby. They do kill his family, and he is adopted by a graveyard full of ghosts. And it is his coming of age story told through uh, anecdotal uh, moments where he's five, 10, 11, 15. uh, And it is very much understanding the culture of the graveyard and understanding oneself uh, until uh, he is old enough to leave and be a man of his own making. He's also got a vampire guardian.
0: that uh that is actually one of my favorite parts uh, of the book where um like kind of the traditional monsters uh like <laughs> there's a 80s cheese fest that's a cult classic i think it's called monster squad yes I love okay monster where, squad.
2: where it's the can, can i can <laughs> i can i just say state right now that the monster squad mm-hmm. better than the goonies ooh that is, That's a, a hot, that, is that is a, is a, take a hot take that I do
0: not have time to dig into. Wow. <laughs> yeah,
2: I
3: literally can't wait on that, having not read or seen either of them. Yeah. The Monster um, Squad is
2: incredible. Wolfman's got nards!
1: Wolfman's got nards. J-V- Dracula
2: I, I do, called I, I a little girl
1: the B-word in Monster did. Squad.
2: The only movie it, to have Dracula do that.
1: It whips. <laughs> So.
2: And then and then she opens a portal to a dimension that sucks him out of out of existence and that's awesome.
1: Yeah, that's a B word yeah. move right there. Hell
2: yeah. Actually but, uh,
1: I
3: really yeah. like that you because we're talking about Silas, and I would like mm. to say that going ahead and just declaring him to be a vampire feels weirdly like outing him. And I was pondering this before mm-hmm. Um, before this recording. Like, I've been mulling over this idea in my mind because, like, um, there's a character who gets, like, specifically stated to be a werewolf. Um, mm. but, but with Silas, the book, it feels like, very, very carefully never actually calls him a vampire. Like, all the details are there. It completely makes sense. It's very consistent. He even has to carry around his own earth. But it just it never calls him that
1: yeah
3: and I don't know it just it it like I don't want to Ma- say that morally it's equivalent to outing him or something, but just like emotionally yeah. going ahead and just calling him a vampire like feels to me like it has some of that same weight. Mm, sure of, like, yeah, it also no, I, I will.
0: I will agree. Mm-hmm. I will agree with that, mainly because, um, I, c- I can't pronounce her name because it's Vermadian,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but, um... Oh, Miss, uh, oh um, the teacher? The, yeah, yeah, his teacher, like, his kind of, uh, and, um, Bod's teacher at one point where, like, when Silas can't be there, she, like, shows up and is kind of, like, this, uh, stern mm-hmm. Mary poppin type figure, mm-hmm. um, for Bod. And, uh, yeah. And so at one point she's called a werewolf and she says, we call ourselves, uh, we call our, our people, like my people call ourselves the, uh, hounds of God. And so we have, we never learn what, Silas calls himself mm-hmm. in terms of like a he like kind of yeah obliquely refers to himself just like my kind or like different stuff like that cuz yeah the the word vampire is never used throughout the book mm-hmm. uh when werewolf is used for um for his teacher she's like no
3: and then even <laughs> um, later when she's not in the scene she's referred to as mm. werewolf very briefly yeah yeah, mm-hmm.
2: and that also just kind of like that, that carries on a tradition of genre pieces, like basically like blatantly having the thing, but not calling uh, not calling the thing by the name that we as humans who don't fully understand it ascribe to it. Like it's like they have their yeah. own word for who they are. We just don't mm-hmm. know because we, mm-hmm. don't, we, we don't take the time to understand. But Bod, who is fully, like, he ha- he, he's deeply into this world, he, ha- he comes to understand them. He, under- he comes to understand that, you know, it's like, no, they don't call themselves werewolves. They call themselves the hounds of gods, the hounds of God, and that's who they are. That's what they mm-hmm. identify as. Mm-hmm. You know, Silas doesn't blatantly say that's who he is. Uh, he just said he is one who is neither living nor dead and walks between both worlds.
0: Yeah. And there's a bitter, and there's a bittersweet as to how he describes that because he then says, um, yeah, like when, when my kind end, he doesn't even use the word dies, is when my kind end, we just cease to be. We either
1: are or we are not. Like you Mm -hmm. are living or you are dead.
0: Yeah. And he's
3: very clear about not being either of those. Yeah.
1: And it's very clear Mm -hmm. that, like, he is not allowed in those spaces like you watch mm-hmm. him from a distance during the the dance macabre you know and he does mm-hmm. not participate yeah. he cannot participate so he is of neither yeah. space
2: uh, yeah mm-hmm. and it's such a it's such a it's beautiful a, moment I, for yeah. bob but it's such a heartbreaking moment for him
1: so anyway, Oof, if you yeah. want to live in the, the 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 fiction of this world and and not call Silas a vampire, don't read the foreword by Margaret Atwood because she just she just calls them all everything. She's like, yeah, it's teachers. <laughs> teacher. Oh, He's I did not Guardians read
0: that. Oh, my, edish- yeah, my edition does not I have that. Anniversary okay. edition. Me so. too. I have my. Oh, okay. <laughs> <Right> <laughs> it's over great there, fun. Yeah,
3: I didn't read the introduction. Not, I don't think yeah,
2: I ever read I I generally don't read introductions um unless they are like unless it's like. It was there in the original printing, and it's by the author. I normally don't read the introductions, so Mm -hmm. there you go. Mm -hmm. Um, But speaking of the intros, uh,
0: another one of my favorite pieces is the opening line. I think it's one of the great opening lines in literature, which is just, There was a hand in the darkness, and it held a knife. And then you have this wonderful illustration uh, by Dave McKean where it's, like, all black and it's just a hand with the knife. Um so Which ominous. is Jack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just, like, when I first opened the book and, like, read it, like, that, yeah, like, that, that image. Because it is, it's lightly illustrated by Dave McKean. Another team up with, because... Uh, Dave McKean and Neil Gaiman worked together a lot throughout his, Neil Gaiman's works. Yeah, I
1: think Dave, um, I think McKean also illustrated um, Black Orchid.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm not, for, I don't know if he worked on, I don't, I don't know if he worked on Black Orchid, but I do know that he did, like, all of the covers
2: for Sandman. Oh, cool. He did other covers for Sandman. He did, um, I think he might have done interiors on that. I know, he, I know he did, uh, I did recently look at Black Orchid. He did do the interiors on that. Uh, and he also yeah. did the illustrations for Coraline.
0: Yeah. Yeah. no, yeah, he did. T- yeah, he did that too. So like they they've worked together a lot. I think their uh Dave McKean's artwork uh
2: I think most of flavor-wise really matches Gaiman. Yeah, and mo- like most of a, a lot of the covers of Gaiman's work like of his novels uh have McKean covers as well. I think like the original Stardust cover was also a McKean illustration.
0: Yeah. We just like Dave McKean um, here. He's neat. Yeah, he is. He's uh and, and like I said, a good a good artistic partner for um, for Gaiman, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, it, it's kind of vignettes for most of the book mm-hmm. of Bod growing up, learning different things. Um,
3: I do have a thought about pacing. While you're talking about yes. them being like these yeah. vignettes, mm-hmm. so there's eight chapters, and mm-hmm. the first six chapters take up two-thirds of the book right and so like they're all like pretty evenly divided and then you hit chapter seven which is um very uh dramatic and but it has it has time to have this very like slow build to have a twist in the middle and then Mm -hmm. to have this like really um really kind of like impactful climactic moment like in a way that makes chapter seven almost be able to like stand alone as like a complete story because of just just its trajectory and just how much is in it like yeah you, you know you need some of like the backstory and stuff like you know the, the first two-thirds of the book like has a point but if you yeah. needed to have but if, if you wanted to make Chapter Seven a short story, you could with almost no modification, and it could it's it's Be just, completely you'd, comprehensible. You'd
1: really miss out on the paying off of things that are yes. set up consistently. The yes. sleer
2: mm-hmm. right, you right. know,
1: the 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 Ghoul Gate, the right Liza Hemstead, the Little Witch. You know, oh, oh every, like,
2: yeah, yes. like it all just Which, it all another Hemstock in
1: a way. Oh Hemstock,
2: yeah. thank you.
3: I mean, like, there's only yeah, yeah. really reason that it's chapter seven and not a standalone short story. But, mm-hmm. like, just in yeah. terms of, like, the pacing and, like, how long it is in comparison to all the rest of them. Because it starts two-thirds in, and then the final chapter, chapter eight, is just, just it's not very many pages. It's, like, it's really an epilogue. Pages. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. also, chapter yeah. seven
1: shifts perspectives in a way that we've mm-hmm. never seen. Like, we are getting... Scarlet's point of view we are getting Silas's point of the view the jacks you
0: know. mm-hmm.
2: yeah the jacks and some in certain yeah. areas too I have a question yeah. real quick um, so Robin mentioned the twist um, so listeners if you haven't mm-hmm. read the book already uh, it's short spoilers it. for Come a book on. that it's came out like
1: babies read it
2: yeah it, it, it <laughs> came out over a decade ago uh, Yeah, but uh, the twist being that Mr. Frost the man that Scarlet and her mother have been talking to this whole time Uh, is actually the man Jack, the man who killed uh, Mm -hmm. Bod's family. Did y'all know from the beginning that that was was Jack when he first got introduced as Mr. Frost? Did you know that that was Jack? I
0: did not. When, When it's revealed and he just said, oh yeah, my name is Jay Frost i just. I just thought to myself, just like Gaiman, you clever
2: yeah. bastard. It's just like it's right there,
0: Jack Frost.
2: That's there you exactly go. what I was thinking. Like, but like, whenever I saw, whenever I heard, like, it's
0: just like, wait a
2: minute. A man named Mr. Frost is doing mm-hmm. grave rubbings in the graveyard. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't trust. And like at the beginning, I was just like, I just don't trust this. Either I was like, this has to be like someone yeah. who's working with the man Jack.
3: Ga- Ga- and then when he says, "Call me Jay," I'm like, yeah, yeah. I um. And not a naturally suspicious person, and yeah. I, I wasn't worrying about it. Partly because the book is so short. I think if it had been longer, I would have like devoted more thought to trying to guess it ahead of time. But no, the clues are absolutely mm. there. And the point where I knew was when, um, he wanted to go upstairs without the girl. That's when yeah. I was like, oh,
0: shit's okay, about to go down. Then. Yeah. yeah yeah and uh and and I, and i there's also like the way he writes it like bod already kind of knows as well um mm-hmm. and yeah it's just kind of uh and then what I like about the heel turn of the book uh for the climax is um he kind of turns into a sinister Kevin mcallister. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah. From, from as if Kevin alone. McAllister wasn't already like, a little bit sinister yeah well yeah it is like but it, this is the when, culmination of that, of that weird fan theory yeah. that Kevin McAllister mm-hmm. went on to become Jigsaw <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's a really weird dumb fan theory <laughs> that I'm like okay fine you can have it whatever I don't care I I did like the uh, I did like the
0: the short that um, uh, Macaulay Culkin did himself or like or he was in it at least like it was a team effort but yeah it was like Kevin McAllister grown up and he's just this, this like strung out taxi driver just <laughs> uh yeah that's that's a good short you should uh, uh check it out. Yeah, it's it's really funny. And then uh oh and then the guy the actor that played Merv Chris um, like responded to it. Yeah. He 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 responded
2: and just like Harry The kid's back <laughs> The kid's back, Harry Run Harry. Joe Pesci can't run. Not anymore. Sorry, man. <laughs> no, no, he could not.
0: Um But yeah, it's Yeah, so, but in terms of the pacing and, like, that's, like, that's the reason that I don't fully agree with people that are, like, so paranoid about spoilers, because while just chapter seven works on its, pretty much works on on its own, like, you're right, all of that context from the previous two-thirds of the book makes it sing Mm -hmm. so much better. Mm -hmm. It's like, you can know Boromir dies at the end of Fellowship of the Ring, but, like, watching that entire thing, that's still hard. Angela, how dare like, you? I've never seen I've never seen A Lord
2: of the Ring.
3: As part of the please no spoilers crowd, I would like mm-hmm. to put in my two cents for why yes. if someone said, hey, by the way, like, the guy her mom kind of dates is there's the murderer. Like if someone has like said that, what Mm would happen is um, because I have anxiety, Mm -hmm. my brain would then spend the entire book waiting for whatever the spoiler was to happen. Mm -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm. And I
3: literally can't enjoy it because I'm waiting for whatever got spoiled to happen. So if someone's gonna give me a spoiler, it needs to be in the first 10% of the book. Or else, yeah. it just it stresses me out. And like, I know I'm not the only person. Like, there's lots of
0: reasons to not watch food. Well, that's
3: mine.
2: Yeah, it makes a lot of uh, sense, though.
3: Generally speaking, Which, like,
0: yeah, and, and like, and it it also it is also valid and um, very much of like, you know, you still are an asshole if <laughs> uh you ruined like someone wants to go and clean, and then you're like, oh, I can't wait for you to see you know, this part, yeah. and then they explain
2: um, the part, and you're like. But I wanted to experience the part. Why can't I just experience it? Also yeah, you
0: don't... Yes, Especially... they killed Dumbledore.
1: Suck it. Mm. J.K. Rowling's a turf.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah! <laughs> no, 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 yeah. This th- yeah. Guess what? J.K. Rowling, go fuck yourself. I'll say it loud and proud on this podcast.
3: You don't go get everyone. a chance to, um, as someone who likes figuring things out, if someone tells me like the twist, I then don't get to know if I would have figured it out, which is also a different kind of frustration.
2: Yeah. And that's, because that's fun. Um, It's fun to like go through a little mystery and to like, look at the clues. I'm like, Oh, Hey, this thing got mentioned. Let me go back and like, Oh yeah. This thing got mentioned. Ooh, maybe it's this. And then like it completely does something completely else. And you're like, Oh, well how, like, how did it come to this? Like where, like where were the clues that led to this actually being the twist? And that's fun. It's that's why mysteries Mm -hmm. are fun.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I would say that, like, to Gaiman's apps, like, let's give Gaiman some flowers real quick. Even if you know from the jump exactly how the graveyard book is going to fall, Pat, he is giving you so much to feast on before then. Like, okay, you know what's going to happen in Under the Hill with Gulheim, all of that. But, like, oh, these are why these are in the sharp relief of Bod's life because at mm-hmm. the at the apex of his journey the the victory of his life everything that he has learned and everything that he has gleaned is his to use the graveyard is his yep. it has mm-hmm. become his and he knows it and he knows the denizens and the secrets and the skills and i think even if you knew everything gaiman has given you such a beautiful coming-of-age story that if you knew everything, you'd still be like, it's really great to watch Bod learn these things, meet these people, grow and understand, mm. survive Gullheim, you know, it, it just, it it's so wonderful that even if you're sitting there watching and knowing that Mr. Frost is the man named Jack, you're also getting to be privy to the performance that mm-hmm. the man named Jack is putting on this very friendly guy who's like, yeah, I'll give you a ride home here. Here's my phone. Yeah. Call your mom. Like tell her my license plate, does you she, know, like this very, yeah, charming, does she like chocolates Yeah, or and, wine, yeah, you like, know? And, and that's also really cool because suddenly it's not that you've been spoiled. It's that you're in on the secret.
0: Right. Yeah. It's yeah. So like, so I, I will amend my, uh, comment. Cause like, what what my feelings about it are, it more I feel a little bit more clearly stated, is um, that there is definitely something to be said about going into a story clean, um, but a good story also is rich enough to keep going back to that mm-hmm. soil. Yeah. So that is why, like a lot of whodunits, aren't reread or retold because that's the main meat who did
3: it like how um if in the modern day and stop now if you don't want dr jekyll and mr hyde spoilers for that story uh so but, (laughs) but seriously it was originally a mystery and the entire point was that they didn't know so if you go back and read the original Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde from mm-hmm. like the 1800s, no. it's, if you read that, it is boring, it's slow, it's weird. And you're just like, oh my goodness, why are these things happening? It's like, oh my God, they're the same person. And no. if you if you read the book knowing that, it is, it's really frustrating because the story was spoiled like over 150 years ago and i'm doing my math right but yeah so like you know retellings of it get to do all sorts of cool stuff because like culturally through like through cultural osmosis like you already you already know um but yeah so like you know as an example of a mystery that didn't have a lot to it and can't stand up to Someone knowing what the twist is
0: narratively. Yeah. Not that. No, exactly.
3: Not that you can't like the original. I don't want you to get angry emails from people who love <laughs> the original Doctor. Jekyll and Mister. Hyde.
1: Not that you can't those, love the those, original. Hyde stands.
3: Ooh.
2: Yeah. yeah. They're a yeah. bunch. They really yeah. like the movie Mary um, Riley but, for some reason.
1: Yeah, but then you have something that is so like texturally rich. Like to bring it to a more modern time, something like Knives mm-hmm. Out where like you watch it the first time, you are uh, unfolding that puzzle box. You watch it the Mm -hmm. second time, the third time, the fourth time, you are just living in this world, knowing things that the characters Mm -hmm. don't know yet and seeing those little pieces that like Ryan Johnson is giving you.
2: Yeah, You know, and I think that's very
1: similar to like what Gaiman is doing with this piece. Like it's not necessarily important that you know whether or not bod survives but like it is important that you see that bod does not waste his potential Mm -hmm. and that's Mm -hmm. the whole point Mm -hmm. of this like we live we have potential and bod doesn't waste his even though he lives with people who do not change they have lived their lives their stones are written yeah
3: and that and and, the path the path that he takes is still interesting even if you know what the end point is because the suspense isn't what is he going to do it's how does living here with these people change
2: yeah and i think that like yep. comparing comparing this to knives out a bit more the reason that knives out works so well is because it's not just a whodunit like it's also like a just like a straight-up mm-hmm. crime movie for like the middle the middle portion of it like ryan johnson talked about the mm-hmm. reason why a lot of whodunits would run out of steam is because it's just a lot of it's just a lot of the detective talking to people for the entire movie, and at the very end of the movie, for about 15 minutes, the detective just explains what happened. But instead, Knives Out is like, no, we're gonna tell you who died right at the beginning. Like, 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 we're now after the death. This starts after the death, and then we're going to do a turn of, like, you know what happens like 20 minutes into the movie, and now it's turned into a crime movie of the person that we know has done it, and the detective on the other side of that, trying to figure it out, and we, the audience, are in on it. Whereas with the Graveyard Book, and really mm-hmm. with a lot of Neil Gaiman's work, he does that cross-genre work where he will take the tropes of one piece and continue to use those tropes, like, of like you know, Coming of Age story. He will use the tropes of a Coming of Age story, but then he'll inject a mystery of it, a mystery into it, and on top of that, he'll also add a graveyard full of ghosts that will, you know, that have all these mysteries and secrets and and lore all attached to it, and he combines all of that into this nice soup that we just sip. Good soup. Is a,
1: <laughs> it? Is a book a
2: soup? <laughs> a book is a soup. All Neil, like
1: a book is a soup. Is on, Neil Gaiman genius. just a I'm, great a book chef? Is a <laughs> yeah, probably. Yes, absolutely. He's a great narrative chef. Yeah, and and what's really great he, he, is you are not privy to every information. You know, you are not told exactly why the dance macabre happens or it's, Yeah, you that's
0: know, never answered. It's, yeah. it's
1: really interesting to be like this is a very rich world that you are only getting a small glimpse of and even if you ask it doesn't mean the person you're asking has a right to tell you anything. <laughs> like, sometimes you just gotta yeah. respect that like you're never gonna know what Silas's deal is or where he's from, but you know you yeah. know who he is right now, and you know what he does for Bod, and that's all you. Yeah, need and to. you have
2: like uh, um, right. Silas telling Bod like I I've done things that the Jacks could never think of doing, and Bod's like, yeah, mm-hmm. but you don't do that now. You've changed, like, and in, in, in that showing of like people can change, people can be, or just anybody can, anybody can change. Any being can grow to be something better they have the potential to be something better they just have to make the right steps to do something better and then and with bod he it's he's you know uh, he has a great support system in the graveyard and especially in the Owenses and Silas and and also scarlet for part of his life as well he has this wonderful support system that allows him to grow to become something great and then he has to grow and I, leave it all I behind also, so then he can experience life
0: yeah. well i i think that's also kind of the thesis of the book is not only i mean it's it's a kind of age story but specifically it's about that bittersweetness of outgrowing uh your childhood town um, which I would assume is like, it like may be a seed in Gaiman's own life. I'm not, ent- I, you know, I'm not a 100% sure because he, because in, um, in the, uh, other hipstock book, uh, my favorite Ocean book, Ocean at the End of the Lane, which is very heavy, which is a Gaiman, it says he's poured m- the most directly of himself mm-hmm. into that book. Um, the uh, at the epilogue of that, where the narrator is talking about the rest of his life, is talking about the nervousness of uh, starting to write, starting to become a journalist, and then um, moving to America with his young family, um, which he did, and like, still, of course, now the because of the pandemic, he's been living in New Zealand, uh, or at least Amanda Palmer has, and he's been there a lot anyway uh but yeah like he's never gone back to england and lived like he's been kind of bouncing around the yeah. world and like doing different uh doing yeah, different things living different places And Bob
1: says that literally directly in the book when he's leaving the graveyard to silas can i come back yeah but it won't be home yeah Stab me. Yeah. Just stab me. What broke me, me was just the fact nice. that it's
2: like, will I, well, he asked Silas, "Will I, you know, can I see you again? And he's like, maybe. But I'll definitely see you. And you're like, oh. just knife in the heart. Just yeah. <laughs> God, you just destroyed my yeah. brain and my heart.
1: Did bot is just spending the rest of his life talking out loud to Silas, <laughs> not knowing that he's there. People are like, who's Silas? And he's like...
2: My, no, brain. my brain. Doesn't so. matter. i nickname my brain Silas I'll so that I'll have down. someone to talk to. <laughs> uh,
3: also, so if the like ninety nine percent sure that what Silas is is a vampire, like the thing is, like the book clearly expects you to figure it out, but for Bob not to have any reason to know what a vampire is.
2: Love that. Um
3: and. So, yeah and because like you know he knows what a werewolf is because like the people in the graveyard like had werewolf legends and like said stuff about werewolves or whatever So like there's a reason for him to have that word for teacher, um, but for silas anyone who has that word because they also have silas isn't going to say it because it's not what silas is using and he's around and foreboding in a way that the other teacher isn't because like she shows up just for five she's not like a frequent resident of the graveyard or something and anyway yeah. so like when it get when it lets you have the weight of silas saying that he has things that he's done and like, Bod wants to know what, and I, who have read a lot of vampire books, I'm like, nope, you do not want to know. <laughs> you don't, yeah. You, you, yeah, no. you don't. There's, because... a, there's
1: a reason stylus has the power to make people not remember stuff.
2: Yeah, it's like, yes, you don't yes. want to see yeah. the bloody room that I just came out of at all. Yeah, yeah.
3: like this is a very different book if Silas just turns to Bod and is like, so I used to kill about 100 people a year minimum for like about a century. Like, it's a completely different book.
0: It's
2: like, <laughs> there are probably like a few I'll towns that are deserted like because that. of me and me alone. And Bob's yeah. like,
0: what yeah, towns? I mean, it's like, oh, no one knows the names anymore. Lost the time. Uh, well, it also, well, it also gives, um, it also gives that extra depth to the world because the word vampire's never used. <laughs> um like Bod is like he's just Silas who's his guardian and he's in that he briefly uh, during uh when he's walking home from school to his regular graveyard, he goes into another graveyard and they're like, Oh yeah, you're the you know, you're the living boy up the street. Um, you know, how is the member of the honor guard talking about Silas? And he's <laughs> like what? <laughs> what? What's that?
2: My uncle Silas um, didn't tell me that? Okay, and- yeah, My yeah, Uncle Silas yeah.
0: Doesn't it's tell a, yeah, no. Um, so yeah, it gives that extra word. So okay, like, so we, with like whatever Silas has done, the vampire legends that like we know have arisen. But he's more than that. Like you said, there's there's more to know. Because uh, there's also like stuff Bob doesn't know. What the hell's the indigo man? Like, what is- what is- what is the slur there? Like, that's older than Silas, like, that's the oldest thing in the graveyard. Um, and it's just this thing with a knife, a jewel- A goblet. uh, A brooch and a cup. What was the other? Goblet. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, Yeah, the brooch. Yeah.
0: Or, like- yeah, bro- yeah brooch knife and and like i love it that okay? he doesn't do treasure. that
2: Gaiman doesn't do this the the stupid old lovecraftian thing of like if i told you what it looked like it, it you would lose your mind which is a really stupid thing that lovecraft would do uh by the way lovecraft sucks that's mm. that's a that's an fnr fact yeah uh and but yep. instead he's just like there was this and there was this and maybe where's this and you just kind of have to like piece it all together in your mind. So then it's like, it's that, you know, it's taking that idea of, you know, the the thing is scarier when, you know, when you can't see it. He's taking that, but he's still giving you like these little bits and pieces to like feed your imagination. And then you create, then you can conjure it up in your mm-hmm. mind with the pieces that you're given. And most likely whatever it is, it's still probably scarier than whatever you're thinking.
1: And then McKean turns around on the, uh, on the next page and shows you an illustration of it next to a pizza.
0: <laughs> yeah. Perfect. A plus. Uh, no notes. Well, well, and then and then but Gavin also does a little bit of the Lovecraft thing of like not not necessarily that oh, like it would blow your mind to describe it. It's indescribable. Um, when Jack is getting devoured by uh, the indigo man. Um, He, we cut to, we're seeing it through Scarlet's eyes who turns on her LED flashlight and it says, Gaiman says, uh, she didn't see things as Bod saw Mm -hmm. and she is lucky for it. Yeah. Um, And she just sees, yeah, she just sees him just like in the, so she's like writhing in the middle of the air, and then get dragged. That's all through, man shit right there. Uh, I love the it. wall of the tomb. Yeah, uh, yeah. Also, uh, Which is terrifying. That's a terrifying and, scene. <laughs> just and like,
1: super kudos to Neil Gaiman of not succumbing to the trope of. And then the girl was so grateful that the boy saved the day.
0: Like,
2: no, she's uh-huh. terrified of him, girl, which
1: broke my heart. It, it's just like it's, stay away from me. Yeah you're the worst you're a monster like that is yeah a a much more empathetic reaction than like you're my best friend or you're my boyfriend now you know where it's just like i have seen some some ish and it's your fault and now i'm traumatized and it's yourself, and Silas
2: walks and to He's like, "Trauma? I was just
0: trying to help you. Trauma?
2: You ain't gonna have that. I <laughs>
0: yeah. can help." And it's just like, listen. Yeah. It literally just like takes her by the shoulders. Like, come, come, come yeah. on, dear. Come, on, listen. Let's. listen <laughs> And also, like, That's... I think
3: that describing what it would look like when she can't, like, because yeah, you know, we're saying you know, there's a difference between, um this monster will be too terrible for you to understand, so I'm not going to describe it. That's very, very different from what this is, which is can't see the monster, but can only see what it does. And what it does is hold someone in midair and kill them as they're, like, kicking and screaming or whatever. And, like, yeah, yeah, that's that's way more terrifying than even, like, seeing a giant snake, unless she has, like, a specific phobia of snakes or something. Like, that would be... Like, yeah. it's a different kind of horror, but it is, the because if there was a snake, her reaction would be, oh my goodness, this thing has a giant snake in it, why hasn't anyone gotten the snake out of it? I'm just, you know, assuming, for the sake of argument, yeah. that the fleas, like, looked like a snake or something. You know, it'd be like, well, now we have to go get that, but now she didn't see what it was because... That she couldn't see what it was is scarier than her seeing something and being able to think something like, "Oh, I better go get an adult who can kill that." Yeah,
1: it's again, like, it that just yeah. rules it out. Gaiman says it like, "We don't understand the impossible. Mm-hmm. We don't mm-hmm. like humans just can't. Yeah. Like if it is unexplainable, fuck this shit. I'm out." You know, and and mm-hmm. the fact that this is yeah something so impossible a man rises into the air and is essentially like absorbed into the rock is a lot harder to parse in your brain than like yeah a big giant snake with three corpse faces ate him like i get that animals eat things all of the time i can i can cotton to that we've read all the genre
2: books we know what happens
1: it's it's also that yeah scarlet is not gifted with a lack of access to information in the way that Bod is. Bod has been mm-hmm. not told lots mm-hmm. of things for his whole life. He he mm-hmm. wants to learn everything, but he understands that there's a limit to what he can learn. But then you have someone like Scarlet coming into the graveyard, watching Bod talk to no one,
3: mm-hmm.
1: probably kill some dudes, then like this guy gets absorbed like a sponge into some rocks in the scary place that she was in when she was five. That's also, a lot. she
3: thought he was... Also, she she thought he was imaginary yeah. so this is her learning that he's not imaginary and you've gotta think that if this was her finding out he's not imaginary then going with him and watching some guy get absorbed into a wall that could have her rethink whether or not he's imaginary like all yeah. over again mm-hmm. like that's gotta be really weird
0: and yeah which i mean which also like made the scene their reunion when like they do when he hugs her and he's and the book describes like he hugs her really uh she hugs him really tight. It's like okay, like no, you are like real. Like my arms are mm-hmm. be you know, are being stopped by a body. Um by nobody. nobody. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, by nobody. Uh which yeah. I do, I do love that uh, you know, uh Homer is continuing to be referenced into the twentieth century. Uh yes. <laughs>
3: i was not trying to reference homer
0: no, oh oh oh! Sorry. sorry no
3: no no the greek one yes yeah. yeah. got it good yes sorry i'm used to people meaning uh, the simpsons and i'm like i haven't no
0: no um but yeah it's just it is a uh yeah it's 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 a great book there's a lot of like for a quote unquote children's book because this did win and rightfully so uh, the um mm-hmm. Newbery Award, the Newbery Medal, um uh, for excellence in children's literature, um
2: this, yeah, like this is definitely like I want to call it a, a kids book. book. I'm it's calling it a, a it's for all it's for all uh, you weird kids out a, there like me who who sat yeah. and watched like yes, the Black Cauldron is my favorite Disney movie. What about it? Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that was you should.
0: I need to send um, you a link after this Remind me,
2: jitty. I'm excited now.
0: <laughs> but uh, Anytime Angela's uh, like, I have to send you yeah, something, I'm going to like, oh, I'm gonna,
2: I'm gonna see some cool shit right here.
1: <laughs> I have to go return some
2: videotapes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the new I gotta send you a link. Or that's the old I gotta send you a link. I gotta go yeah. return
2: some videotapes. Oh. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. But it's...
0: Uh yeah there's, I mean we we could Another talk four about hours, this probably. for you know several more mm. hours. Yeah like this there is a lot of there is a lot of
2: meat here. But we had a lovely um, discussion. I'm I'm really glad I'm really glad that it, the, that we all got to yeah, just sit we, we here and, and discuss this wonderful little piece and uh discuss Neil Gaiman yeah. making me cry. You bastard.
0: Yep. It uh it may not be for the last time we shall see and i'm probably gonna cry again journey. don't worry
2: don't worry everyone uh, look when yeah. this yeah. is the per- when, you're ta- <laughs> when you're sitting here listen to a person who has cried during two kung fu panda movies and two fast and furious movies among like maybe uh, another hunt another hundred kung other fu- mo- no kung fu panda is the best trilogy of all time and i'm sticking to that i'm sticking to that
0: it's it slaps way harder than it has Perfect any right Perfect family family right entertainment to.
2: mixed with incredible like, action and awesome animation and yeah. just a, a, a stacked voice cast. I mean, come on. Also, Neil Gaiman connection. Uh, the first villain is voiced by Ian McShane, who would later play Mister Wednesday. I brought a full circle. Oh, yes, he was. Like yes, I never he, did. Yes, he does. Nice.
0: Uh, which getting close to doing. We're getting there. Very soon. Yeah, we are very Oh, don't worry, like listeners, getting we're getting to there. That. We're um, getting there. Or at least the book. Yeah, at least the, yeah, probably the, probably the thing he's most famous, uh, m- most famous known for. It's interesting in terms of, um, Robin, you're about mm-hmm. like your, your first introduction was Coraline, or like one of the first introductions was Coraline. Yeah, um,
3: like a long time ago I'd read one other book, but Coraline's the one I know best.
0: Yeah. yeah, so he, Neil Gaiman has talked about, like, as, you know, he he has continued to do book tours and different stuff like that. Uh, at one point, he then started to meet more and more, like, notice more and more, like, uh, like, late teens, early 20s uh, women coming, or girls coming to, to the sightings to meet him. And they, and then he finally realized, like, oh, wait, all of them have really battered old copies of Coraline. <laughs> like, uh, and then, like, for so many, um, uh, for so many, uh, uh, especially um, uh, women uh, or girls, it's, yeah, like, that's the, mm-hmm. Coraline is the entry point. Which, uh, so the last thing I'll say, Coraline is really interesting because literally the reason he thought up that name was because he, one of his old editors, was named Coraline. Caroline, and he was typing on an old uh, typewriter, like a physical typewriter. Mm-hmm. And he typed, he he mixed up the letters and did Coraline. And he was just like, it's like that's that makes name. sense." That, that, <laughs> just like basically like <laughs> they just put, that sounds like an yeah, interesting
2: yeah. young young girl. I'm gonna keep that name, and I'm gonna that's write like a story Dolly about it. Like yeah. yeah. meeting a just, young
1: girl named Jolene and writing a whole song because like this girl was yeah. like, "Oh, that's a great name, Jolene." Jolene,
0: yeah. Jolene, there Jolene. you go mm-hmm. uh so yeah he kept Corline in his back pocket until he he wrote the book um which was then based off of uh his oldest daughter um which he would come home from school he would uh she would make him like tell when her your stories. dad is real game and you have him uh, tell you stories uh i think it was holly yeah and it it's like but it's uh i think it was holly yeah. is is the daughter but like he would, she would come home from school and always be like, you know, tell me a story about a girl named Holly. And a lot of those adventures got translated into into Coraline, um, as well as with the graveyard book. Uh, it was inspired by before he left for America. He was li- where he lived across the street was a graveyard, which, especially in such a landlocked place like England, are your parks like? Right, um, great, and uh, yeah, like graveyards are like are just are your. It's your the most local interesting park. interesting thing so, about like, your small he town. He just, yeah. So he just saw one of his kids, um, just riding their tricycle through the headstones, and like that image stuck with him. But he kept it, and is he wrote like the first couple of chapters, and then like came back to it ten years like later, um, because he felt. He, well, because he felt he wasn't a good enough writer at first, which, like, I the fact that they'd stewed that long, I think shows of just that that percolation in the back of his mind to like pull all of this, uh, pour all of this richness and, and full fledgedness into it. Yeah. Um, I think really shows, like I said, it's it's uh, one definitely one of my yeah, favorite. May I new say, games. uh,
1: one of the graveyards here in New York City, uh, Greenwood Cemetery. Is also a community space. Um, I've seen live theater there. They also have beekeeping. That's wonderful. So, like, make your make your graveyards oh, nice. your community spaces. Like dance the macabre, mm-hmm.
0: y'all. The yeah. tagline. For the, yeah, the, yeah, wait, exactly. uh, Angela.
2: That is that is the name of this episode. Dance the macabre, y'all. I'm I'm, I'm officially yeah, saying that. That's the name of this episode. No, th- yeah. No, I th- I think
0: it. Yeah. No, I think it will be. Is uh, is uh, is the title of it will be uh, Where We Dance uh, the Macabre." Yeah, Brick. so
2: I believe this is the... I well, uh-huh, like so.
0: how
3: it's, it's pulling on traditions of, like, the dance macabre. Like, that's what it's yeah. referencing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, as this... Uh, but also, like, not in a... And, and that's also, like, his portrayal of death in the same man book, in the same man comic series, definitely goes over into this of just, like light uh, of death being an extremely important part of what mm-hmm. gives life mm-hmm. meaning of uh because bod says like you know i'm not afraid to die like i've been surrounded by death but he then realizes that okay i do need to protect myself to yeah to live my potential to live my and then one day i might be in the graveyard um,
2: like my like my family Mm.
1: Yeah. But also, like, (laughs) he asks very earnestly at the end of that chapter, the dance macabre, can I ride your horse? Mm. And she says, someday. And he goes, I look forward. Essentially, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking (laughs) like I am ready to greet you as my ally, my friend. I am not afraid of you. I do not defy you. Mm. And one day I'll get to ride your horse that is mighty enough to carry the smallest of you and gentle enough to carry the largest
0: of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah, I, I did I, I did also yeah. love that line. Um Yeah.
3: It's really good. So
0: let's wrap this <laughs> for up this for time. real. <laughs> uh th- Yeah. Uh thank you so much, Robin, for coming on. Thank you, thank Rachel, you. for coming I- on. Um it was lovely having you both to talk about such a wonderful book. Um I guess real quick, do y'all have any uh plugs, any any uh other specifics you wanna uh shout out yes uh so
3: i'm robin from the podcast books that bird where we discuss fictional depictions of trauma from the perspective that the author is the only one with agency uh so rather than characters hurting characters it's why did how and why did what does it do that the author set up the book to be in this way for the traumas to play out in Mm. the manner that they do um and we did an episode on Coraline, so if you're looking for your Ooh. Neil Gaming connection, yeah, go yeah. ahead and pick, go ahead and uh, check that one out. Great specifically, um, we generally recommend that as our starter episode. We also, like more recently, covered some stuff like um, Iron Widow by Ziran Zhao. And coming up in March, we're gonna have an episode on Firebreak by Nicole Corner Space. We've got a bunch of other cool stuff, but um, that's some of our uh, contemporaneous. Yeah. Uh, episodes um, but yeah uh, you can find that at books that for the
1: podcast
3: and that'll have the link to our card which has all of our other links and I do written book reviews awesome
2: so very cool I go. am
1: terminally online <laughs> uh, and you can find all of the garbage that I get into mm. uh, following me on various social medias at I am Rachel quirky Twitter Instagram twitch TikTok I guess <laughs> who does that I'm too old uh, yeah so I do too much and it's too much to say so just start there
0: there you go uh, I especially right now I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, hearing on Twitter more about your um, <laughs> your wrestling uh, school I'm escapades I'm so
1: excited to suplex people
0: one day <laughs> So, uh, thank y'all for joining us, uh, here. Thank you listeners for listening to the end. Um, and we will see you next time for, uh, I don't know, I don't, don't have the we calendar in front of time. me. We rec- we're... Re- yeah, we're re- starting to record these out of order. Alright, there we go. Um, oh, that's gonna be the return of, uh, Alan Kissler for, uh, Nightmare No, Gaston it's not. Or, or got me the, the great Wait, when does this episode come out? <laughs> uh no it's no it is this graveyard book comes out on four fifteen today
2: if you're or you know three weeks from i don't know anymore previous it's anyway it comes out time, on April is, a time is a lake
0: because it, it is, is coming out
2: much later than i thought uh, it was Yeah. No.
0: When you were when you were talking about that, uh, Rachel, I was wondering if it was I was wondering if it was Alan, and uh, yeah, and now because of the show, uh, yeah, blame Alan
1: for everything uh,
0: I do. Converted. Well,
1: that means by the time
0: this comes out, our episode on Firebreak
3: will be out. So uh, go find that. There you
2: go. Awesome. There you go. And I'll and I'll have (laughs) already turned twenty four. Yay. Mm
1: And remember, you are always you, but you is always changing.
2: Bye. I've heisted my way to the bestseller list once again. And the most brilliant part is, I don't even know how to read.
0: Thank you to my big brother Sean Bullock for our theme. You can check out his work
2: at SeanBullock.com and the wonderful Nikki Burger for our logo who you can find on Twitter at DoubleBurger and on Instagram at DoubleBurgerComics For updates, sharing your thoughts or if you just want to yell at us check out the show on Twitter and
0: Instagram at f and R pod. and you can find me on Twitter at JD underscore Martin underscore and you can check me out on Twitter at BullockBits where you can find info to to my comics, history Instagram, and cat Instagram. And come hang out
2: with us on the show's Discord. Check out the links to everything in the episode's description. Including our wonderful guest info. Whoever that may be below. Let's go.
1: Hey there, Screen Beans. Have you heard about Screen Snark?
2: Rachel, this is an ad break. They aren't screen beans until they listen to the show.
1: Fine. Potential screen beans. You like movies and TV shows, right?
2: I mean, who doesn't? Screen Snark is a casual conversation about the movies and television shows that are shaping us as we live our everyday lives.
1: That's right, Matt. We have a chat with at least one incredible guest every episode, hailing from all walks. We've interviewed
2: chefs, writers, costumers, musicians,
1: yoga teachers, comedians, burlesque dancers,
2: folks in the film and TV industry,
1: and more.
2: We'd be delighted for you to join us every other Monday on the Certain POV Podcast Network.
1: Or wherever you get your podcasts fresh and tasty off the presses.
0: What? But that's... No, that's not...
1: Can I call them screen beans now? Fine. Screen beans!
2: So tune in and we'll see you at the movies or on a couch somewhere.
1: Because you're a whole screen beans now. She will be my
3: C-P-O-V. CertainPOV.com